welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others podcast. My name is Nina Sunday. I'm your host. And today we have Barbara Wilby, an Australian who specializes in succession and transition for senior executives. With an MBA from the Australian Graduate School of Management, Barbara works with executives transitioning to CEO and is a sounding board for CEOs and senior executives globally. Welcome, Barbara. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you very much, Nina. Great to be here. It's a pleasure. And I'm curious, how does someone start to think about being a CEO or uh, getting promoted to a senior executive position? Yes. Good Good question. Thank you. I, um, you know, there's an old saying, Nina, by the um, inch it's a cinch, by the mile it's a pile. And what that what that's a funny way of saying, let's break things down into their component parts. So to think about being a CEO is a huge uh, undertaking uh, because it's not just a promotion, it's a quantum leap. You know, you... you a quantum uh, leap, yes. Yeah. So, so why you, would someone even think of making such a quantum leap? Well, it could work well, interesting, because it's it, uh, it serves their values in some way. It, it serves something that's truly deeply important to them and they want to make a difference in their industry, they want to make a difference in their organisation, they have natural capabilities of leadership. They can see, go into a situation and see what needs to be done. Uh, so, yeah. They, and, um, and I do believe that our listening audience is not only experienced managers but aspiring managers. So it's possible that we've got individual contributors listening that aren't even yet a manager. Yeah. Would it, is it, can you think about uh, being promoted to CEO too soon or do you have to wait until you've actually had a few uh, management experiences under your belt? I think at some level you, you've got to either really envision yourself or have had experience leading people. Um, and now that could be um, leading, you know, a team of six and you the, you might aspire to lead a team of 1,000 or 10,000 or even, even more. Um, but you need to have some some experience of that. And the, the key thing, Nina, is to go from technical contribution. You know, I'm a great financial analyst or I'm a great um, risk manager or, or, or whatever it is to being uh, a leader and a facilitator and a bringer together of people and someone who articulates a vision um, for the organisation rather than just a function. So that that's, you know, one of the key differentiators there. Um, so never too early to start, though, to answer your question. Oh, that's nice um, to know because I think we need to think about, like, why do we even want to progress to CEO in the sense of, the, you know, do you sort of look at the underlying motivation? Because I'm thinking there are some people that just are, perhaps overly ambitious and just look at me, look how great I am, you know, they, they want to be a ruler, they want to rule an empire, or can can how do you foster this concept of your servant leadership, you're there to bring out the best, the capability of your people, that benevolent uh, aspect? Do you kind of uh, touch on that when you're advising and consulting with uh, potential CEOs? Yes, I do. I, I've got a five-stage program, um, Nina, and the first one is foundations, what we call creative foundations. So, you know, looking inwards, saying, why do I want to be CEO? Why truly? And 
you know, ego and ambition are great, but that's not the whole um, box and dice as we know. We, we need a, um, a true sense of service because the service and the um, definition of your own mission and the, how that mission connects with the organisation's mission will see you through the ups and downs. Um, ego and ambition won't see you being steady, won't give you the self-governance through the ups and downs. So you need very much to connect with what, what's truly important to me. Am I prepared to go to the places, the uncomfortable places in my development that I uh, need to go to in order to prepare thoroughly? Because they're the things that will trip you up. And, and I, I, I pick up on the word self-governance because we talk about self-leadership. Can mm. you explain more what self-governance is and what, what's an example of something that uh, people need to uh, beware of a pitfall around yeah, self-governance? Yeah. 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 Um, well, I think the, the CEO role in one sense is the self chief governance officer, right, because if sustainable systems companies, doesn't matter whether it's a small company or a larger company or not-for-profit or for-profit, uh, sustainable systems are well-governed systems and, and the CEO is at the centre of that. You know, you wobble as CEO and the organisation wobbles. So you need to be managing your own steadiness, basically, and you've got so much coming at you these days. I mean, rapid changes in industry um, disruptive forces. I mean, look at last year, COVID, you know, who would have thought um, in December 2019 that we were going to face workforces at home, uh, huge safety issues, security issues. It brings up all the cyber issues because people are working from many, many different places. You know, there's lots of things that, um, that CEOs have had to deal with. And so CEOs are human beings. And yeah. we have emotional reactions. We all have emotional reactions to things. But the, the, what differentiates someone is how they manage that, how they work with that. So do they stay in this sort of TikTok or can they get themselves steady, centred and make a wise judgement? Look at what you truly love. Um, look at where you want to go as much as you can. And it might not be a crystal definition, crystal clear. It might just be, well, I'd love to, you know, help people deal with this and that and the other thing. Uh, or it might be I'd love to be CEO of XYZ organisation and then to get clear on your strengths and weaknesses and your, your fit for some, a role like that as much as you can. You'll develop that idea as you go on and then to say, okay, what am I going to do to keep developing my strengths and experience in, you know, in self-development and what am I going to do to address the areas that I don't have skills in or not naturally drawn to? And what do you recommend? Is it is it reading? Is it doing uh, particular emotional intelligence workshops? How can people uh, expand their people skills side? Because they probably think, well, I need to be a good technical expert. But yes. more and more, it's the people's managing side that's uh, important. How, how would you recommend people ex ex explore that or expand that? Yeah, People, manage, people leadership is, a, is the differentiator, certainly, because you can have all the skills and experience. If you can't bring people with you, if you can't create a collaborative uh, environment where people really want to give of their best, then you won't be a really great CEO or senior leader. It doesn't really matter whether it's CEO. So, um, well, there's, gosh, many ways to um, 
uh, skin a cat, to use the <laughs> old expression. <laughs> the thing is uh, get a coach, get a mentor. They're different things. A mentor will guide you with industry experience, uh, years of experience. A coach will bring out uh, by asking questions the things you know and discover with you the things you don't know. Um, and but the, the most, the key thing I think, Nina, that I see over and over again is seek feedback and listen to it. Right. Now, what I'm understanding, the difference between a mentor and a coach, mm. a mentor often is somebody within the organisation that mm. is not necessarily your immediate manager but maybe someone that uh, has a role that you might aspire to, That so mm. another senior executive that you cultivate your own special relationship with that you might meet, month, meet once a month over coffee or, or more yeah. often, yeah. whereas a coach could be an external uh, supplier, someone like yourself, mm. but that will actually ask you questions and, and uh, get you thinking about things that perhaps weren't already on your radar. Is that a fairly accurate uh, distinction between coach and mentor? Yes, uh, except to say a mentor can be from outside. There are several mentoring organisations, so it can be inside or outside depending on the organisation and whether you're seeking to make a shift in, you know, industry or whatever. Yes, but you've picked up on the essential part of it, which is that a coach seeks to take people developmentally, leaders, to places uh, that they probably haven't explored. You know, maybe you're great at this but you didn't know it. Uh, unrecognised strength, maybe you've got a major um, uh, blind spot here, let's work on that and let's develop that. So it's about expanding someone's self-awareness with them and also their integration because it's one thing to be aware, it's another thing to do something about it and to actually act on it and make it part of your leadership. Now, the humility of the truly great will say, I I don't know my blind spots, blind spots, and I need to know what they are if I am to grow. Yes. Whereas someone that maybe needs a little bit more humility might say, "Blind spots? What blind spots?" <laughs> do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Uh, and you know, that's it's an interesting tension when you're working with senior people sometimes in that the confidence and hubris that it took them to get to where they've got to can sometimes be in the way a bit of of uh, their development so that's when a skilled coach will do things like um, you know get good feedback good objective feedback and present it in a way that the person sees an opportunity in it okay so the uh, there's another podcast coming up soon uh, where we talk about wisdom and wise judgment yeah how does how does a manager aspiring to CEO or senior leader, develop their wisdom? I mean, is that an innate sense of fairness or uh, do they have to study ethics uh, in a a structured way or what do you recommend? You know, you can do all those things, Nina. I think it's at the heart of it, though, I think wisdom is pretty simple. I think wisdom is seeing both sides of a situation. It's seeing the good in the bad, the bad in the good, and being able to bring those two things together and integrate them. Um, so I think, and to do that, you have to actually look at all your biases because we're, we always go to one side or the other. But the wise person says, let me remove uh, the, the blind man's, you know, the patch from one eye and let me see both sides of this and embrace this. And when I do that, I mean, the successful leaders in COVID were the people who said, well, this is, there's, where's the opportunity in all this turmoil that we've got? 
and they work with it and ran with it and they were the adaptable people. And interesting, isn't it, that it's turned out there's been an enormous amount of opportunity that's come out of having to work from home and having to, uh, the, the disruption actually co- uh, did cultivate um, enormous innovation that yeah. we're actually wanting to keep. Yes. So uh, it's it's just interesting that they have to be optimistic enough and yet walk that line between seeing pitfalls and danger versus seeing opportunity yeah. and navigating that midway path. That's the wisdom path. I, that's why I called my business Corporate Wisdom because uh, that's that's truly what I, what I teach and uh, what I think is most beneficial for uh, leaders because it it's a sustainable um, state of being that creates wise action, the doing, which creates the results. So being, doing, having the old model, which and I'm of sure. course we'll have you'll have we'll have your your website in the show notes. But you've also offered got something on offer for uh, our listeners a PDF. Uh, that yes. they can get from corporatewisdom.com. Can you tell us what that is? Yes, if you go to my the contact page on my website and email me, you will get uh, a PDF of the five phases of becoming a CEO, mm. uh, foundation, skills, presentation, interviews and transition, the five phases, and that's about 20 years of work, Nina. So I'd love wow. people to have the benefit of that and uh, be able to share that. Well, I, I do want to ask you more about those specific phases, but have you got any stories or anecdotes, without naming names unless you wish to, um, of people that have uh, grasped the opportunity to rise to senior leadership that otherwise they might not have if they hadn't had the confidence or the certainty that they could do the job? Yes, uh, I've, I've got, I can share one example with you. Obviously, as you say, a lot of it has, um, goes in the vault. but. Um, Yes, one uh, CFO um, who is uh, was very much a technical manager, however, doesn't do all the basics like having team meetings, doesn't stand up and say to us, um, you know, how's, how's it going? How about, a, how about we have a check-in? How about we have regular meetings where we actually talk about what's our idea of success as a team? So the relationship, you know, if you think about leadership as task and relationship, the task was extremely well handled. The relationship bit was um, something that this person had to learn. If you expand your um, your your uh, goal mm. to being a senior leader, then your all your actions will start to uh, fit into place to along that trajectory. Is that yes. right? Yes, it is. And importantly, the more the bigger your vision gets in terms of what you would love to lead the more you need to develop yourself to match it because an undeveloped leader with a, with a big vision is a problem waiting to happen, you know, because they, they won't have the personal resources and the people skills to deal with um, yeah. uh, to execute on the vision. And they probably need to actually be good goal setters for themselves so they can learn to be good goal setters for uh, for their team for and for the, for the organisation. Now, do you encourage uh, managers who want to be CEO to actually not stay too long in an organisation and maybe, like once upon a time I heard that six years was about the right time to think mm-hmm. about moving to a different organisation, mm-hmm. even if you're comfortable because yeah. you, you will only get growth from that move. So what's 
is has that time frame changed? Is that what you would agree with? Or uh, shorter, shorter um, now. It's become a bit shorter. Right. Yeah, around five years, um, depending on country. I mean, it does vary by country. And so, a manager who has a really good team member, or who manages another manager mm. who've been there for four or five years, don't just leave them alone to just do the job well. Because if they're if they have any sort of metal uh, for leadership in them, they're going to be looking to move on. So it's really up to you as their manager to Mm -hmm. give them growth opportunities to to bring out their capabilities, or they'll be saying bye bye. You must have a talent strategy, and part of that talent strategy is saying what talent have I got, what development do they need. Um, and who are the people I really want to retain at any cost? Yeah. Um, and that will be development opportunities. Sometimes it will be financial remuneration, et cetera, et cetera. Anyone wanting to become CEO needs to get good at public speaking. And by okay. that I mean speaking to the group. Say it's someone's birthday. Yeah. Being open to saying a few words about acknowledging the person whose birthday it is and why we're together and maybe adding some big picture uh, vision statements to that that little one or two minute piece. Do you agree with that? Like being good at at, at presenting to a group session, group meetings like that. Oh, you you absolutely must because if you disappear back into yourself or you don't just have you don't have enough practice. I mean, the, the, the years before getting to be a CEO, or months or sometimes weeks, I've had people say, oh, "I've got an opportunity. I think it might come up in a couple of couple of months." One of the things I say to them is, "Okay, stand on your feet now and." Talk to me because you, I want to see, do they have some sense of how to project themselves, how to relate to people, how to connect with people? All of that's very, very important. And, and particularly, I mean, as you would know more than anyone, in, in this day and age of um, computers, Zoom meetings, uh, remote locations, you have to actually be able to connect it with people at quite a deep level to to, to engage, to help them engage, and for them to feel connected in the organisation. Yes, well, I, I'm a professional presenter, so from time to time I've had one-on-one uh, coaching with uh, senior leaders that uh, just wanted to expand their uh, their just their executive presence when they're presenting. Yeah. So even um, would you ever suggest somebody join a, 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 an, a, an international association but that has local branches everywhere called Toastmasters. Would that be a positive thing? Toastmasters is generally excellent because it's just such basic stuff but it's so good. You know, their formula is, um, oh, yeah, I did Toastmasters and, and many of my clients are done. There you go. And and it trains you in impromptu speaking and that's I that's what, as a, as a presenter, I think that's one of the key skills of a CEO because uh, as a presenter I also get invited to off-sites mm-hmm. where they have the CEO and they have multiple workshops running simultaneously and I've been one of the, uh, the workshop leaders. And I remember they'll have maybe the uh, the get together and the dinner and the drinks on the on the first evening. The CEO stands up, mm-hmm. and I remember one I was invited to where it was the depart departing CEO who was leaving Australia to go to Europe, and the incoming CEO. And I asked a few people, "What is it about the departing CEO that everybody loves?" Because mm-hmm. there was so much love and sadness in the room that he was leaving, and they said. Or this one person said, that leader 
is kind. What that says to me is I feel he cares about me. All right, you mentioned that uh, people can access the five phases of CEO preparation uh, by going to corporatewisdom.com, and you did quickly mention the five phases. Is there one that you want to sort of, uh, just in closing, maybe talk a little bit about that we haven't sort of uh, touched on yet? Yeah, I might talk about transition, actually, Nina, because, um, you know, you've you've done all your prep, whether it's years and months, Four months you've done, you've got your presentation you've done the interviews and gosh they've offered you the job mm. well it's not just about walking in on Monday morning and thinking you, know, you really have to step into the role to work out what are your early achievements going to be to um, send some signals to the organization um, who do you need to perhaps move on in terms of the executive team uh, are there people you know who are, who don't fit in the new vision or is it just a restructuring? Um, I'm not saying, you know, you come in as a um, slash and burn merchant, but, um, you know, you need to think about those things and people need to think about whether they are comfortable working with you too. So that's a two-way thing. And really importantly, uh, how are you going to allocate your time? And that then involves thinking about stakeholders or external and internal and how will you build relationship with those people in the first year, those, those institutions or different individuals? Because that will be, you know, as we've outlined with building relationship and leadership is key. And rather than being, uh, you know, a, a line manager and just going, I want to be CEO, yeah. what do you think is the second tier of role. I, I guess it's a C-suite role that you need to have in order to become CEO. Is that right? So what would be the best C-suite role to aspire to that would then ultimately lead to CEO? Depends on the industry, I mean, and depends on the circumstances. But, I mean, commonly uh, finance is, is seen as a good vehicle. Uh, you know, if you can have a solid financial uh, background and you understand then closely the organisation's strategy, because uh, you can buy in the other skills, you can buy in marketing skills, but in some industries it would be tech, technology background because yeah. you know, that's what they're... It really depends on what the core strength of the organisation is and how well you align with that. Sometimes they'll bring in, you know, an organisation wants a completely fresh take, they'll bring in someone who's not in that mould and, yeah. um, and uh, you know, um, supplement skills around the yeah. executive table. So, yeah. Well, I do know that when I was working in television at ABC, Australian Broadcasting Commission or Corporation now, um, they brought in someone that had run Queensland Railways to head the, te- the you know, the Australia-wide television corporation. So um, tr- CEOs do actually transfer across different industries. Yeah. Um, so I'm just thinking, is there... If, if someone does not yet have any kind of university or college qualifications, uh, should they try and get some uh, like an, an MBA or a uh, or some sort of accounting or economics uh, qualification or is that not really so um, important? Depends on what you want to do. Um, yeah, but it, look, you, need, you do need to be able to read um, a balance sheet or financial statements at some level. Um, you need to understand a bit about economics. Do you need a degree? Um, I don't know about an MBA. Probably some kind of business degree is useful. 
Right. Um, but there'd be some industries where it's people generally just come up from grassroots and that none of that stuff matters, you know. The other piece of advice that I've uh, that I usually give people, even when I'm doing, say, a time management session, is in meetings, cultivate the art when you say something to summarize what two people before you said before you say your piece. Yeah. Yeah. Because it cultivates guiding the group to have a big picture awareness of how the meeting is progressing Mm. and then it cultivates you to have the ability to say, well, I noticed this was said and then that was responded to, but what I'd like to say is, and Mm. I think that's a marvellous little um, template, if you like, or or, or process to for just to participate in meetings. Do you like that one? (laughs) I do. They call it... um the synergist role, which means to bring together. There's actually some uh, work on that by a guy called Les McEwen, um, predictablesuccess.com. Lovely. And he uh, talks about that synergist role. Uh, Thank you for giving a name to that. (laughs) (laughs) Because the person who can integrate different points of view and link and take the group to another level, that's leadership. And that's what a CEO can and should do. That's yes. marvellous, Barbara. Yes. Look, I knew our conversation was going to be fabulous. Thank you. Uh, I, what, one thing I love about being a podcast host is I get the opportunity to have interesting conversations with really smart people. And thank you for your contribution today. It's been fabulous. Thanks, Nina. You've been listening to Barbara Wilby who's a specialist in transitioning senior executives to CEO. And this is the Manage Self, Lead Others podcast. Rate, subscribe, and listen and enjoy. Ciao for now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.